uh, when we started out our year and preaching on Sunday mornings, we did a few messages about having the right spirit, having the right attitude. <laughs> so I'm watching you all. Okay, I might even have to re-preach that because of me. Sometimes I still get, you know, not always the best attitude. But you see that concept in the Bible of having a right spirit. And David prayed for, to God that God uh, renew a right spirit in me. And so we're moving along to a different subject uh, today. Um, I would like to preach a couple messages that are related to uh, the Holy Spirit. And this one is not indirectly, but one of the main points, it relates to God's Holy Spirit. And what it is in particular, and in John chapter, uh, primarily in chapter 3, we see the concept of the necessity of the new birth, the necessity of the new birth. And, and the Holy Spirit is, is brought out in that, in, in His need in bringing that about. So let's look in John chapter 2, uh, pardon me, John chapter 3, well, what I'd like to do is actually look at the last few verses of chapter 2, in the last few verses of chapter 2, it seems that um, the thought here is needed to, to read those last few verses, uh, chapter verse divisions are, um, uh, were put into the Bible probably five or six hundred years ago. It's not that it's bad. It's just they were put in there to help us understand a little bit, organize it. Um, but they weren't originally inspired as, you know, uh, that Paul and, and John were told to divide it up this way. It was just we have tried to organize it that way. So I think the thought should begin here in chapter 2, verse 23, just a few verses, and we'll go right into chapter 3. Chapter 2, verse 23. And this is a story, and some of you probably are familiar with it, with man, Jesus meeting a very important man named Nicodemus. And so please just try to pay attention. And this is a scene of Jesus. Um, we're going into a scene of Jesus dealing with this man, and he talks about being born again. And um, I, I just feel like the Lord wants us to look at this today. So chapter 2, verse 23, before that time he met Nicodemus, the Bible says, now when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover in the feast day, Many believed in his name when they saw the miracles which he did. But Jesus did not commit himself unto them, because he knew all men, and needed not that any should testify of man, for he knew what was in man. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God. For no man can do these miracles that thou doest, except God be with him. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now we're going to read more as we go along in our, in our message today. And I, this is, and I hope you pay attention. This, is, this isn't just, all oh, these are nice, neat words. These are words of truth that God wants us to know about how Jesus was when He came on earth and what He was saying to a very important person. And He was talking about this, this idea of a new birth, the idea of a new birth, a spiritual birth. Now, many of you in here are like, I've been born again. I'm all good now, Pastor. You're fine with this message. But I think we all still need to hear this, even if you've been saved, to hear this and just to realize what it means to be born again. And it gives you a burden uh, on helping others to be saved. 
How many of us, you know, I, I, I shouldn't even ask it this way. Let's just say it. We all like new births, don't we? I mean, of babies. We like new births. You know, we went through phases in our church where it was like, there was a whole bunch of boys being born. And we're like, where are the girls? And, and then there was a while where there's a handful of girls being born. And, and when the boys were being born, we're like, we thought to ourselves, there must be some church somewhere that has a bunch of girls being born, and they're all meant to meet one day, you know. But we like new births, don't we? Um, new babies and... And uh, Deb and I are privileged to, to have nine kids, and our four oldest children are married, and uh, our oldest son and his wife have three children. And, and, then our, and so we have, in May, the last half of May and the first part of June, that four-week window, there's three more grandbabies coming. There's three granddaughters being born. Um, our daughter-in-law, Estrella, and our other daughter-in-law, um, Shelby, and then Johanna is, is going to give birth in May. So we got these more grandbabies coming, and it's so cute for me to see my wife get all just kind of happy about it when, when, you know, when grandkids come over to the house, and, and uh, she just kind of brightens up a little extra. She's already sweet and beautiful, but she just kind of brightens up a little extra and loves taking care of them, you know, and we actually were taking care of um, the three, three of them this last week, and and I tried to tell our Samuel, uh, little Sammy, he's about a year old, and he's really cute, and he's been doing it to me lately. And, and, and Deb loves his eyes, big old brown eyes, you know, just looks, he's just so cute. And I'm, I'm telling Sammy, I'm like, I'm going to teach you how, whenever you come over to this house, to go up to Nana and say, Nana, can we make chocolate chip cookies? And she'll do it. She will do it. I'm going to teach you how to ask Nana how to make chocolate, that you need chocolate chip cookies. Because if your uncles and stuff ask and your grandpa asks, she won't. But if you ask, she'll do it. She'll do it. <laughs> so I've been teasing Deb about that because he's so cute. You know, she just, she just loves that. But we love babies and new births and all that. And um, it's, a, it's a blessing. Now, listen, honestly, God loves new births also. And I don't just mean like physical births of babies, but God is interested in new births spiritually. There is that concept. There is, is there a spiritual new birth? Yes. And God is interested. I'll quote quickly a few verses. In James 1.18, it says, God of His own will begat us by His word of truth, by the word of truth. Of His own will begat He us with the word of truth. God used His Word to, to birth us spiritually and become a spiritual being, a new spiritual being. And then it says in 1 Peter 1.3, it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath begotten us again unto a lively hope. That is, becoming a Christian means be having a spiritual birth. The Bible also says in 1 John 1, in fact, look, maybe you could turn a page back. Or not 1 John, but John 1, John 1, verse 12 and 13 Again, we're looking at the concept that does we like new births. Does God like new births? Yes. He likes spiritual births, a second birth. Notice what it says in John 1, 12, and 13, speaking about receiving and accepting Jesus Christ. But as many as received Him, that is Jesus, what happens? To them gave He power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on His name. That is saying, whoever accepts Jesus as their Savior gets to be in God's family. Which, how did that happen? Verse 13. Which were born, their spiritual birth, was not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Accepting Jesus as your Savior, 
And trusting in Him is, would be considered a second birth, a spiritual birth. And it doesn't happen because somebody forced you to do it or you were born a certain way, but it happened because of God's work in your life and you trusted Him. So here is a man, Nicodemus, who is being presented with this truth about a new birth, a new birth, a spiritual birth, and he doesn't get it. He's going, why? How can this be? Wouldn't it be cool if you could go up to a professor at, you know, some smart aleck professor at some big university and start talking to him and him go, huh? <laughs> Would you just get pleasure out of that? Like, I'm sorry. I know something this guy doesn't, you know. That's not how Jesus is with Nicodemus. But Nicodemus is a ruler of the Jews. He's a master. He's a teacher in Israel. And he goes, what? He's saying, huh, to Jesus. And yet it's something you and I can all get today. What is the spiritual birth? What is the, uh, in the new birth? In summary, I've already said it, to, have a, to be born again, which everybody must have, to be born again is this. It's the moment that one truly and intentionally accepts Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. And that moment is likened unto the climactic arrival of a child when it just ruptures from the womb. I said it again, accepting Jesus Christ as your Savior, it, being born again means it's the moment that you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, and Jesus compares it to that moment, that climactic moment, that a baby comes, births out of the womb that climactic moment, that's born again, spiritual. When I was five years old, I heard the gospel through my mom. I heard the gospel at a, a preschool. I heard the gospel in Sunday school. I heard the gospel in a Christian school kindergarten a little bit, and I accepted Jesus as my Savior. It was a very plain, simple moment of hearing those things and had a wordless book in front of me, and I just prayed and accepted Jesus as my Savior. And that was when I was born again. And I became God's uh, child by faith. It wasn't when I did some fancy thing. It wasn't when I um, was baptized. It wasn't when I, um, you know, achieved some high level of uh, good behavior. It was just a moment of faith. So notice Jesus. Let's just, talk, let's just walk through a little bit of this, and I'm going to bring out some particular points. Look at verse 3. Look at verse 3. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Jesus is talking about being born again. He's talking about it relating to the kingdom of God. A lot of people want to see God's kingdom. A lot of people want to be in God's kingdom. Uh, some people um, sort of arrogantly say, I, I, I want to go to hell. I'm going to party with my friends in hell. Uh, and they make it sound like that's great. And it just means they don't, they don't know what that really is but in general people are interested oh yeah god yeah god's kingdom yeah that'd be great but jesus said that you can't even see god's kingdom unless you're born again you know you don't some places there are some i think strict places where you have to be born in that country to have that citizenship and so we have to be born again to have citizenship in heaven so Let's look at this here, verse, chapter 3, verse 1 again, and 1 and 2. I want you to just get, let's, let's, let's uh, put ourselves in a scene. Let's imagine a moment. It's at nighttime, and somebody comes to where Jesus is, knocks on the door, wherever, where Jesus and the disciples are, and they open the door, 
And they find out, oh, this is Nicodemus. This guy's everybody knows Nicodemus, but he's here at night. Well, the Bible says that that ruler of the Jews, Nicodemus, came to Jesus at night. So they let Nicodemus in the house where Jesus is. And Nicodemus comes over and sits down and wants to talk to Jesus. It would be like a very important uh, person, a, a ruler or like a governor coming to meet you, but meet you at night when there's not a lot of fanfare and uh, cameras and and all that. That's what it was like. So Nicodemus comes and meets Jesus in this home and sits down with him at night. And Nicodemus says some what seemed to be flattering things. Look what he says in verse 2. Then came to Jesus by night, the same, that is, Nicodemus came to Jesus by night, said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest, except God be with him. So Nicodemus comes in, comes into this place, and uh, perhaps some of the disciples were a little bit flattered. They're thinking, wow, what's he doing here? Or perhaps some of the disciples were a little bit scared. Wait a minute. Some of the rulers of the Jews don't like Jesus. But there was probably a little bit of a excitement of Nicodemus being in there. So Jesus sits down with Nicodemus, and Nicodemus immediately commends Jesus. Rabbi, he calls him a teacher. We, speaking of not just himself, but he knows other people who know. We know that you are of God. You're not a joke. Now, he's not outright saying Messiah. He might mean that, but he's at least saying, we know that you are a man of God who has miraculous power here. We know you are a teacher come from God because nobody can do these, not just preaching, but miracles that you do unless God be with you. We know you are the right thing here. And Jesus, just, Jesus doesn't go, oh, thanks. You know, I've always been wanting to meet you. You know, oh, no, he says, except a man be born again, you're not going to see the kingdom of God. You know, it's almost like Jesus is telling this very important person. He's not flattered by these compliments. He goes right to his need. His need is to consider the fact that he has something missing and he needs to straighten it out. And it's basically faith in Christ, not just a head knowledge so that he could see the kingdom of God. And so Jesus says this thing. He says, "Being born, you need to be born again. And so Nicodemus is like, what? What is that? Huh? Nicodemus knew a lot of things. He knew all the Old Testament stories. He, knew the, he probably knew several languages. And so what does Nicodemus say in response to Jesus when Jesus says, you need another birth? You need another birth. What does Nicodemus say? Verse 4. Nicodemus saith unto him, how? Huh? How? How can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? He's like, how, how, what? How could I do this? Do I need to go find my mommy and go in there and come back out? And so here's what we want to do with the rest of our time. We want to answer that how. How is it, what is it that Jesus is teaching here about the new birth? And again, everybody needs to hear this. As we go through this passage, we're going to see three distinctions of what Jesus told us about the new birth about being born again. Three distinctions. The first thing that we see here as Jesus, as the text is answering the question, and Jesus in His, his um, actual words, first thing we see is whatever the new birth is, the new birth, number one, does not come from surface belief. Surface belief. All right? Here's what I mean. Um, and we've said this before. How many of you believe 
that the metro bus system exists in this valley. Do you believe it exists? Raise your hand. Anybody did not believe that the metro bus system does not exist in Phoenix? Any, any, any atheist to the uh, metro bus system? Right. Everybody believes. We all believe that the metro bus system exists. Now, we're not saying we like it, <coughs> but we believe it exists. How many of you have seen the metro bus system and a bus come by the church with two people in it and your tax dollars paying for all the gas and stuff? I don't know. Maybe supplemented by the fee they paid. So we believe it exists. Now, I'm not making fun of anybody. I'm really asking a sincere question. Did anybody, <coughs> is anybody depending on that transportation today? Is anybody today depending on the metro bus system? Right today you're depending on it. Nobody is. Okay. You're depending on your own transportation, right? So we all believe, I believe the metro bus system. I believe it exists. But let me ask this other question. How many of you believe if you actually got on it, it'd probably safely get you somewhere? I mean, you might want to set five chairs away from somebody, the guy, the sketchy guy. But how many of you honestly believe, I do, if I got on it, I think I'd be good. Anybody else believe you'd be okay? Right? Okay. Yeah. So you believe it'd take you. But you know what? You're not trusting it today. You believe it exists. You believe it could help you. But you're not putting your trust in it today at all. You're like, yeah, it's okay. That's Nicodemus. Nicodemus is like, you know, I believe you. We all believe you're, the, you're, you're this man of God that can do these miracles. We believe. But he wasn't trusting like I am resting now in you. It's a surface head belief. Now, I'm not making this up. Look at chapter 2, 23. This is the context here. When Jesus was in Jerusalem at the Passover in the feast day, many what? Believed in his name. Well, isn't that wonderful? They believed, yes. Okay, he did miracles. That's not bad to believe because he did a miracle. They believed in his name when they saw the miracles which he did. You see that? Well, that's why we need to kind of keep reading and kind of let this be part of the other chapter. But Jesus did not believe them. <laughs> he did not commit himself unto them because he knew all men and needed not that any should testify of man. For he knew what was in man. For example, chapter 3, verse 1, there was a man. Here's an example of one of these men who believed that Jesus was like, I, I don't believe your belief. The name Nicodemus, the ruler of the Jews, the same came to Jesus by night. And said, Rabbi, we know. It's this no belief. We know thou art a teacher come from God. For no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, second person singular, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So, so in Jerusalem, there was a bunch of people in Passover time. They saw Jesus do a few miracles and they're like, Wow, he's the real deal. Maybe somebody said, he must be the Messiah. Maybe some said, well, he's at least a prophet. Nicodemus comes and visits Jesus and says, we know you're of God. But of all that crowd that believed, Jesus said, no, nah, it's, it's just a surface belief. It's a surface belief. It's like us that say, I believe the metro bus system, but I'm not committing, committed to it. I'm not trusting in it. Let me ask you this. There are many people who believe in their head. Jesus came to earth. Jesus died on a cross. It looks like, from what I can tell, Jesus rose from the dead. 
And they might even have the added acknowledgement that, well, I, a person needs to put faith in Jesus to be saved. There's a lot of people who believe those facts but have never themselves applied it to their own faith, like have faith in him personally, made it from the head to the heart, as we say. Is that you today? Is anybody here today You're like Pastor Henry? I agree with preaching Jesus and the cross and dying. That was a beautiful song, a couple songs you sang. And yeah, that's good stuff. But have you put your faith in Jesus? Have you called on him and accepted him personally as your savior? That's the essence of being born again. So Nicodemus, again, he was the one who, who recognized the value of what Jesus was, but wasn't, didn't put his personal faith in Jesus. So what is the new birth? It does not come from surface belief. Secondly, <clears throat> the new birth, secondly, I want you to see, as we're going to go through the text now, is produced by the Holy Spirit. The new birth is produced by the Holy Spirit of God. And so says Jesus, look at verse 5. Jesus answered and said unto him, uh, said, Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, ye must be born again. So Jesus goes on now to tell us something about the Holy Spirit producing this. Just like a man, every, every one of us, unless there's some really crazy thing I don't know about, normally every one of us is born out of water, a water sack. Even if you don't like swimming right now, you did when you're in your mom's womb. You were swimming in water, and you were able to breathe it. And there came that time of those months of all the contractions and things and cravings and all the back and forth. And then, and then the, the days leading up to your birth, you, normally, I mean, I know there's other things, and, but different, you know, out-of-time births and C-sections and all that. But the regular type of birth, it builds up with contractions and contractions and pressure and the dilation and then water breaks and pretty soon sometimes the water, rarely uh, a child can be born in the sack but the water still has to break. But normally the water breaks and the baby comes out, you know. And so when I've told this before, there's been a couple times, I won't say my kids' names because they don't like that anymore when I say their name. But there was one of our kids when he was born and the water broke, and we had some home births, and there was a tarp on the ground, and the water broke, and the baby just slipped right through the hands of the midwife and slid a little bit. <laughs> I'm not joking. Just like, oh, slid right there. And it is funny. This one does like water. Uh, and then another, another time when my wife was going through contractions, and we had the midwife at the house, and, and my wife was, uh, I was trying to be with her, and we were kind of, I was getting bored. I wanted to talk about some things, you know. Um, and so this is one of the later births, and, and my wife, I remember standing there by me going, she would go through, see, you go through these waves of contractions, and when they, the contractions get closer and closer, that means the birth's about to take place. And a contraction is, guys, it just hurts, that's all I'll say. It's just, ugh, pressure, crampy, ugh. And so they happen, they start happening every 10 minutes, then five minutes, and they get closer together. My wife was we were talking in between contractions, and then she's standing there looking at me, and I'm standing there talking to her. 
And I was like, you know what? And I started telling her something about football. I don't know what it was. It was some story. And I'm like, you know, and, and this and that and the other thing. And I'm all into the story. And she's like, and this contraction's coming on. And she's like, and then she's, she goes like this, like grabs my hand. And I'm still telling the story. And she's like, and then all of a sudden, and water just breaks on the floor on my feet. And uh, so I don't, hope you don't mind me telling that. Is that okay? She doesn't. But I'm the one that looks dumb in all this. I'm sitting there talking about football and thinking she's interested. And her water breaks and the water's on the floor. It's on my feet. And I'm like, oh, end of story. So, you know, we brought her over and the midwife helped. And I think 10 minutes or less, the baby came. But the babies are born. This is natural birth. Born of flesh is being born of water. Born of flesh is being born of water. Born of water means being born of flesh. So we all had that. Jesus said, you must be born, except a man, let me get my thing right here, except a man be born of water. It's talking about your natural coming into existence. And of the Spirit, he can't see the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. So some people have a, a false concept. They say, oh yeah, a Mormon, I've had a Mormon point this out to me, that say, being born of water, that means you have to be baptized. I had, I've heard Catholics say, oh, it says be born of water, that means you have to be water baptized. There's some Church of Christ people that say, being born of water, that means you have to be baptized. And I'm thinking... That does not say anything about baptism. And it's not even in the context of what Jesus is speaking about. And so um, it's a natural existence. So you were born, we are flesh. We're all born of the water. Well, the Holy Spirit, Jesus is teaching here, if a person, Nicodemus, you're going to have a new birth, you have the water birth, but you need to also be birthed from, out from the influence of the Holy Spirit. In order for a person to have new spiritual life, it takes a spiritual power. It takes a spiritual person to produce that. In order for me to have physical life, it takes two fleshly people to produce that. In order for a person to have spiritual life, it takes a spiritual being, God the Spirit, to produce that. Not me. I can't in and of myself make somebody born again. I just give the message and the Holy Spirit envelops somebody just like a baby enveloped in water and produces some conviction and brings it about. And that's what he's saying. If you're going to be born again, you need to be born of the Spirit. We sing the song, born of the Spirit with life from above into God's family divine in one of our songs. And so he, the water environment is by which we came into the world through in our flesh. The Holy Spirit working on somebody, convicting somebody, dealing with somebody's heart, bringing conviction is what brings out, brings about the spiritual birth. It works in conjunction with a person's faith. It works in conjunction with a person saying, yes, Jesus, I believe, but the Holy Spirit brings it about. Um, do you have that birth? Or did you just at one point say, oh yeah, Jesus died on the cross, rose from the dead? Okay, I believe that in that kind of a surfacey level? Or was it real, a sincere thing where you can even looking back and say, I think the God's Spirit was working on my heart and bringing me to Himself. If God was dealing with you and the Holy Spirit was dealing with you, and in that context you had faith in Jesus, then you're born again. But if it's just merely a, a cognitive thing that you nodded, then I don't think that consists of a true 
birth. Okay, so what is he saying here? Marvel not, verse 7, that I said unto thee, ye, all of you, the rest of you that are like you, must be born again. The wind, now he gives us an example in verse 8. Okay, so picture this. Picture verse 8. He's still talking about the Holy Spirit, God's Spirit. The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh and whither goeth. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. So he says the Holy Spirit is like wind. Wind, you think about this, none of us can see wind. None of us can see wind. You say, well, no, I see this storm coming. I see the dust storm coming. I can see wind. You don't see wind. You see dust particles being moved by wind. You don't see wind. You see clouds being moved by wind. We cannot see the wind. We see that what the wind does to the physical objects that we can perceive. And so he's saying the Holy Spirit is, we can't see him. And he, um, we, can't, we can't always control or tell let me back up. Let's talk about wind. We can't always control and not always tell how wind is going. I mean, we see these big storm fronts. We see these things coming. We're going to have an easterly wind today, blah, blah, blah. And the, the meteorologist tells us some of that. But it's still kind of untamed, isn't it? The wind. It still go like this, and it might turn out and go like that, or go like this, you know, or switch back. You know, I can't control the wind. None of us have that power to control the wind. Well, it's like, here it comes. We just have to work with it. And Jesus is saying, it, you, the, holy, the wind, you can't tell whence it comes and whither it goes. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. I think what he's saying is the Holy Spirit has a power to bring something about that I can't, I can't do in and of myself. There's a song. It's an old song. And we sing it sometimes, brethren, we have met to worship and adore the Lord our God. Will you pray with all your power while we try to preach the word? All is vain unless the spirit of the Holy One come down. Will you pray with all your power while we try to preach the word? Getting some of the words messed up, but all is vain. It's talking about that we are utterly dependent on God's Holy Spirit to save a person. And then to empower us that are saved. We utterly depend on the Spirit of God to do things that are spiritual. <laughs> I can't, with carnal means, accomplish something that's spiritual. You know, our church, we could have all kinds of stuff. We could have bigger things, better things, nicer sounding, all that stuff. But unless we have the power of this Holy Spirit... We will just accomplish carnal things with carnal things. Well, we need to have God's power of His Holy Spirit. And so in, in the context of a person becoming, so we're talking about being born again. In context of that, we depend on God making it happen. God bringing it about. And working on somebody. So number one, number one, the new birth does not come for just having to surface belief, but a saving belief. A sincere saving belief. Number two, the new birth is produced by the Holy Spirit, Jesus is showing us. And then number three, we're going to try to, we're not going to break down all of it, but I'll tell you, the third thing Jesus is showing us, the new birth is accomplished when one simply personally trusts Christ. Belief, like sincere personal belief. The new birth is accomplished when one 
trusts in Jesus personally. So notice verse 9. Nicodemus, again, he said unto Jesus, how can these things be? You talk about a new birth. You talk about the Holy Spirit. And how, does, how can that all be? And now Jesus is going on to say, you, haven't, you, you don't even know this? Jesus answered and said unto him, we'll walk through some of this. Art thou a master of Israel and knowest not these things? Verily, verily, I say unto thee, we speak what that we do, do know and testify that we have seen, and you receive not our witness. If I have told you of earthly things and you believe not, how shall you believe if I tell you of heavenly things? So Nicodemus is having a what? A belief problem. And no man hath ascended up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man which is in heaven. And as Moses, look at verse 14. Now he's going to explain belief. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have eternal life. So, so here's Nicodemus learning from Jesus, I've got to be born again? I, I already believe that you're... But Jesus didn't trust a surface belief. And the Holy Spirit, I need to be born of the Spirit? This is what He's telling Nicodemus. How can this be? And now Jesus, <coughs> excuse me, goes on to believe to, to teach about having faith, whosoever believeth, whosoever believeth. And he brings to Nicodemus, the Jewish man, a Bible story that he should know. Hey, Nicodemus, just like Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have eternal life. So what did he tell Nicodemus that would help him have faith? He told Nicodemus the story about when Moses lifted up a brass serpent on a pole in the wilderness. It's, again, it's the same signa, uh, symbol that you see on the back of a lot of ambulances. He tells, he tells uh, Nicodemus, remember when Moses did that? Yes. So let's all remember quickly, when Moses, when Moses did that, it was for what reason? It was a response to people's sinning and people's dying. You see, people had been complaining against God and Moses, and God sent, the wages of sin is death, God sent these serpents in there to bite people that were just lousy, bad attitude complainers, and people were being bit by serpents. But God also provided a solution at the same time, and He told Moses, get a brass pole, put a serpent on it. I, it's my understanding it looked like a serpent curled, a, a brass serpent curled at the top of a brass pole held up high as if this is your, this is the, represents your punishment. And God told Moses, make that pole, hold it up in the air, and all the massive congregation of people that were sprinkled with people dying because of their sin and because of being bitten because of their sin, all the people that around this massive congregation that were dying, he told Moses, if you hold up that pole, they'll all be healed. No. He says, if you hold up that pole, whoever turns and looks, all they need to be told is just look at the pole that shows a symbol of your sin. That's basically what he's saying. Just look. God says, whoever turned and looked at the pole, this ugly thing, a serpent up on a pole, if you turned and looked, you'd be healed of something deadly. And so Moses did that. He held it up. And the Bible said, whoever, whoever then turned and looked was healed 
the, the, in their context of being bitten and dying, and somebody says, Moses was told by God, if you turn and look at that serpent on the pole, you'll be healed. The act of turning was an act of faith. The act of looking was an act of faith. And they were healed. That's all they had to do. They didn't have to go start crawl over there and do a pilgrimage and kiss it. No. They just had to go. And they were healed. Can you imagine some stubborn Israelites that didn't turn? I don't want to look at that. Moses, I don't trust him. He's a hypocrite preacher. All he wants is people's money. <laughs> you know. No, come on, Grandpa, just look, just look. <laughs> and he wouldn't, he died of it. You know. Can you imagine there's probably some stubborn Israelites like that. All they had to do is, okay. But other people who decided to turn and look, they were healed. There's nothing magical about the pole. Some people ended up making an idol of it later. But there's nothing magical. It was just, this, is, this shows God, God saves you if you humble yourself and look to him. And so what does Jesus tell Nicodemus? Nicodemus, you need to be born again. Nicodemus, you need, to, you need a new birth. And he's like, how is this? He goes, it's like when Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must I be lifted up in an ugly scene on the cross that whosoever believeth, in Him should not perish but have eternal life. So he's saying, Nicodemus, I'm also going to be lifted up and it's not going to look good. It's going to be ugly. But whoever looks to that and that look of faith will have eternal life. Jesus now is emphasizing simple faith, simple personal faith. Whosoever means any individual. It's a good word. And then the famous verse. This is that done because God loves us. Verse 16. For God so loved the world, and He does love the whole world, but they have the free will to take or deny His love. God, loved the, God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. So Jesus telling Nicodemus about the serpent being lifted up. He says, I'm going to be lifted up because it shows that God so loved the world that he didn't spare me from such an ugly scene that I would even have to be lifted up that whosoever believeth on him will not perish like the Israelites perished, will not perish forever in hell, but have eternal life. For God sent not, verse 17, his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. And so what is being born again? It's not just having a surface belief. It's having the Holy Spirit deal with you and bring this about. It's you needing to have faith in that, in that scenario. Have simple faith in Jesus. Jesus, I accept you as my Savior. I believe what's happening. I see what you did. Please be my Savior. And you're born again. Whether you have shivers up your spine or speak in tongues, which we don't believe is for today, or any of these other things, it's just simple faith and you're considered born again and saving God's family. Now, why don't people have faith? Why? That's so simple, isn't it? Why don't people then believe? I Sometimes people don't believe because, like, Pastor, I have an intellectual disagreement with the Bible. I'm not sure it's really of man. I mean, I'm not sure it's really of God. I think it's of man. I'm not sure that the Bible's really true. And people have sincere questions about whether the Bible's true or not. I'm not about, I don't know, you know, the Bible's been translated many times, and King George didn't even do a good translation. You mean King James? Yeah, King James and him, too. He didn't even do a good translation. And people have all these crazy things they say, and they don't sometimes even know what they're talking about. And sometimes people do have honest intellectual disagreements. I'm not sure about that. 
But a lot of times, here's why people don't believe. Jesus tells us, verse 18, He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed on the name of the only begotten Son of God. Verse 19. And this is the condemnation, that light come into the world, and men loved darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. But he that doeth truth cometh to the light, that his deeds may be manifest, that they are wrought in God. So Jesus explained being born again, how real simple it is. It takes the Holy Spirit's involvement. It takes simple faith. But why don't people do it? I, I don't want to come to the light. I love my sin. I love darkness. I love my sin. Long story short, I dealt with a t- teenagers in the late teens one year, one time. I sat down with him. His friend came to church a lot, and, and his friend wanted me to talk to him, so I talked to him, talked to him for a while, sat down, shared the Bible with him, shared some scripture, shared the gospel, talked through it, and it came to a point where I'm like, do you want to accept Christ as your Savior? Having understood, he understood sin, salvation, Jesus dying in his place, Jesus rising from the dead. All you got to do is have faith. He understood. I'm like, so, so and so, do you, do you, do you want to accept Jesus as your Savior then? Uh, no, no, no. I don't know about that. Well, I'm trying to figure out why. And the, the bottom line was he liked to sleep with girls and he wanted to keep doing it. And it's, it's not that if you get saved, you're not going to mess up or sin. I'm not saying that. It's that he's like, no, I love this darkness. I want to keep sleeping with these girls. And so he was like kind of inching away from this whole thing. It was his sin. Men often love darkness rather than light. Why don't people come to Christ? Because they don't want to deal with their sin. They want to keep loving their sin. And so, um, so the new birth, the new birth, so what does this leave for us today? So we're, gonna, we're wrapping this up. The question, a couple of questions. Do I have the new birth? Has God, have I been saved or not? If you don't have the new birth, yield to God's Holy, the Holy Spirit's words right now and trust Him as your Savior. Personally, yourself, right now. Here's another question. Am I discerning surface faith from saving faith? And then the other thing I would say is this. Since he says about being born of the Spirit, the next question is, doesn't this not lead us to pray more for other people and to pray that the Holy Spirit works among us? So this should lead us to think, you know what? I see what this is saying here. So therefore, me, I need God's Holy Spirit. I need the Holy Spirit's work in my life as I talk to somebody. I need the Holy Spirit to deal with somebody else. I need to look out when I see God's Holy Spirit dealing and convicting somebody else. Our church needs not just some, a nicer thing or uh, some upgrade somewhere. It's always nice having that, but we need the Holy Spirit to work in us to do spiritual things. That's what we need. And, and we depend on Him for it, and we can just pray for it and wait on it. That's what we got to do. So let's thank the Lord. For his word today, let's bow our heads.